come to you today from Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. And um, very, very unique passage of scripture that I, that I just love. And so I'm going to read it all to you so that you can get a grasp on where we're going today. He said, in you, he made alive. Everybody say me. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. That's not some strong words. That's strong words. But that, that was you. You was a sinner. That, that was you. Heathen. That may be you right now. And you saved. And you saved. Among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. Everybody say amen. amen. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh. That's why you got in trouble. And of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. Just as others. Some of you are just angry. Still angry. But we still love you. But God. Who is rich. Everybody say rich in mercy. Because of his great love. Say great love. With which he loved us. When you was a heathen. When you was a no good. When you were sanctified still. He loved you with such a great love. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together. Look around you. He's raised us up together. There's no, there's no different people in this house right now. There's not no sinners and saints. We're all being raised up together. And he has made us all sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let me break it down. It don't matter who you are in this house right now. You have a seat in a heavenly place. Oh, Brother Michael, you don't know the week I had. Oh, you don't know my mistake. I didn't ask you about your mistake. I'm not the one that can tell you where to sit. But Jesus says, I'm raising you up together and you're going to have a seat in a heavenly place with me. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches. There we go again. Riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God is so kind. He's kind to you. He's kind to us when you didn't deserve it. How many of you know and ever felt when you knew you hurt God's feelings? And the very next time that you prayed and you got into the presence of God, suddenly he just wrapped his arms around you and you just felt his presence. Just like this morning, we up in this house. It don't matter what you did this week. God says, my kindness 
For grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. You didn't do this. I can't do this. Pastor can't do this. Your neighbor can't do this. Everything you have, everything you felt today is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man can boast. This praise team did wonderful. They were anointed. But what you feel in this place did not come from them. It came from God today. We're having a God moment right now. For we are his workmanship. This is a message just in itself, just talking to this scripture. You are God's workmanship. He created you. He loves you. The person you seen in the mirror when you was brushing that grill. He created you to be you. And he loves you despite your failures and your mistakes and your shortcomings and your temper tantrums. We may be done preaching when I get done with this text. It may be time for altar call. We get off the hook easy. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. He created you for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Meaning, meaning he has a plan for your life. He already has a plan for your tomorrow to be a light to those around you. To do good works. Oh, Brother Michael, you don't know me. He don't want me. I'm a failure. I... He didn't, he, didn't take, he didn't ask you for a pity party. He just says, you're my workmanship. And I've prepared something for you. And you're going to get everything that I've got for you, despite who you are and who you think you are and who the negative voices say you are and who the haters say you are and the naysayers and who you may even think you are. I've got something for you today. So we're going to preach from a topic that is this, and they got the title on the screen, Deliverance in a Dilemma. Deliverance in a Dilemma. A dilemma is a moment where we're at a crossroads in our life. It is a place where a decision must be made for the greater good for oneself or another. And daily, God looks at us his own workmanship, those in whom he has prepared good works and a place to sit with him in heavenly places. He looks at you and he desires a relationship with you. And Psalm 17 and 8 says this, that you are the apple of his eye. Blink. You today are his greatest product. Individual, all to yourself. You are the apple of God, God's eye today. But also as he peers in our direction, he also sees our sins. He sees all. He sees through you. He knows all about you. He knows that inner voice that you had that attitude yesterday. He's seen that. He sees our inadequacies. He sees our faults. He sees your hang-ups. He sees your bad decisions. He's seen them. He knows that our carnal minds are easily distracted. Some of us are like squirrels. He knows that you're overwhelmed by life's issues and complexities. How many of you just have, you just got complexities in your life? It's just, just crazy. 
And you don't know if you hang it or washing out, what they used to say. You don't even know what's going on. That's life. Welcome to life. Psalms 51 and 5 says that we were born and shaped in iniquity. He knows. But nonetheless, no matter how far you drift, his choice will always be to deliver you every single time. Because in a, no matter the dilemma that you are in, he will always deliver you. The word of God says that he's rich in mercy to make us alive in him. He desires nothing more than a relationship with you no matter the cost. Because God is patient and he is kind. And he will wait and maybe has been waiting. Because even though you're in your dilemma, he says, I want to give you deliverance. Even though you may feel like you're not worthy, he says, I want to bring you to a heavenly place. Even though you feel unsecure about your place with God, he says, I want to show you mercy and I want to show you grace because you're my workmanship and I've got something planned for each and every one of you. During one of the most severe potato famines in Ireland, a number of families wrote letters to their landlord saying they had absolutely no money to pay, the, pay their rent and begged the landlord to let them off of their debts. The Irish landlord by the name of Canon Fawcett wrote back to his tenants and said it was quite impossible for him to let them off of their debts, that it would set a bad precedent to the other landlords in the area. He said that they had to pay every single penny of the debt that they owed. But, he wrote, I do enclose something in this envelope that just may help you. In contrast to many other, other landlords at the time, he sent each of his tenants a check that would cover all of the debts plus some that they owed. Their hearts leapt when they saw the deliverance. Cannon Fawcett made a decision to deliver and not to condemn. Just like Jesus Christ today, he is rich in mercy. When you deserve to have gotten judgment and condemnation, God says, I will write the check and I will pay the debt and I will pay the price that you can be free, that you can be delivered, that the chains can break off of your life. Mercy, simply stated, is to have the power to have compassion and forgive instead of condemning others. I feel through the authority of the Spirit that God is wanting to rekindle the fire of faith that may be an enemy, an accuser of the brother, has tried to extinguish in your life through life's difficulties and failures. But let me remind you today, to every individual that is under the sound of my voice, Scripture also says that it rains on the just and the unjust in Matthew 5 and 45. But no matter what rains on your life, there's always a God extending mercy and grace in your life. So let it rain. Let the storms come. It don't matter what kind of wind blows in your life. It don't matter how far you fall. It don't matter how deep your failure. When God says enough is enough, he will not condemn, but he will forgive. Despite our dilemmas and despair, today God is still writing someone's story in this house today. There is deliverance here. God was the one, I want to remind you, that bore the stripes for your infirmity. That's why healing is here. 
God came here today to break every chain. God, who was rich in mercy, will make you alive again. Feel like you're worthy of God's presence. You may not feel like you're worthy of His grace and His love, but I want to tell you today there is a river of mercy that begin to flow through this place during the worship set, and it is still flowing. It don't matter what you need, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask or even think in this house right now. If you would just lift up your hands and begin to lift up your voices and saying, God, despite my dilemma, despite my circumstances besides what I think about myself you are the one that holds my future in your hands as the book of Job opens we see that Job was on top of his game Job the Bible says was an upright man he feared God and shunned evil he was a model citizen he was a great guy the Bible says this, that there was born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys. It's a lot. And his household was a very great house. Scripture tells us that this man was the greatest of all men in the east. He was the greatest man in the area. And he had life simply what we would call by the horns. However, we quickly learn that tragedy engulfs his life. And Job finds himself in a dilemma. In less than one day's time, he loses everything that he had. All he had left was a wife and three friends. The trauma was so great that his beloved wife requested that he just curse God and die. Watch them women. Watch him. Just kidding. His three friends came to mourn. They heard about the calamity. They came from a far place and came and just seen Job. And when they seen him and all that had happened to him, the Bible says he took their mantle. They took their mantles and ripped it which was a sign of authority in their life. They took the mantle, put dirt on their head, sat down in front of Job for seven days and seven nights and didn't say a word. They just looked at him. First off, if I'm going through some trouble and you come ripping clothes and putting dirt on your head, I'm out. I'm not going to know the rest of the story. I'm leaving. But it was Job. In the middle of his despair, he spoke these words about his predicament. He said in Job 19, 8 through 10, and, and, and you can probably relate to this. He says, he, which is God, has fenced up my way and I cannot pass. You ever felt trapped in your dilemma? You ever been in a place in your life you didn't know? How, how, how am I going to get out of this? And you just felt stuck. Woo. He said, and he has set my darkness in my path, meaning God has put me in the darkness. You ever had a dark season and you couldn't even see the light? You couldn't even see the light of day? You didn't even see the glimpse of hope? He said, he has stripped me of my glory and has taken the crown from my head. You ever felt like you lost your position with God? 
like you have made such a bad mistake that even though you had a great Sunday and a terrible Wednesday, all of a sudden, you feel like you get back to church on Wednesday, you got to try and, and, and get your position back with the Lord. It doesn't work that way. But that's how Job felt. He said, I've lost my crown. He said, he breaks me down on every side. You ever felt broken down? He says, I'm all gone. That's where he felt. Sister Trudell, he lost everything. He says, I'm absolutely gone. And my hope, my only hope, has been uprooted like a tree. Now, that's bad. That's a dark place. But no matter how dark or despaired our days become, those days, or for some these days, do not ever determine or diminish God's power presiding in your life. It don't matter what you're going through. These days do not name you. These, day, these days don't direct you because there is a God in heaven that loves you with a greater love than any earthly father could ever give you. So what we learn from Job is that in the middle of his dilemma, he also said this. He said, thou hast granted me life and favor. Now take it, he lost everything. If you read the story, his friends are just negative. Say, oh, Job, you've done something terrible. But he said this, you know what? In the middle of his circumstance, in the middle of his dilemma, he said, you have granted me favor. Oh, God. Thy visitation has preserved my life. Sometimes in the middle of your dilemma, you got to realize where your life and favor is going to come from. You got to realize that a simple visitation of his presence will preserve you. In your dilemma, say, God, I will praise you and give me your spirit. Give me your presence. I know it's a Sunday morning. I know I feel like I've lost everything I've got. But, God, I need you in my life today. He also says this in 1315 of Job. Though he kill me. He said this about God. Even though if he were to kill me. I will trust him. And I will maintain my own way before him. Even though I, if I knew my end was near, I would still trust him with the steps that I take. Next time you're in the middle of the darkness, next time you feel like you've lost position and place and power, you've lost everything God has given you, why don't you say, God, I still trust you. I still trust you. I don't know what you're doing, but I still trust you because I know you're rich in mercy. I know it's by grace that I am saved. I know that my life has been predestined by you, God, and you've given me purpose. What we do in a dilemma is to maintain your way before God. We must continually strive for a visitation. God will preserve you, and his mercy will always win. Look at your neighbor. Say, mercy always wins. Mercy wins every single time. In our text today, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which he has loved us. I believe God is here right now. He is ready to pour out mercy upon your life. He says he is rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. He's overflowing with mercy. As a matter of fact, he's got so much mercy, he's like Oprah with his mercy. You want Oprah? You want mercy? You get some mercy. You want some mercy? You get some mercy back there. It don't matter what you need right now. He's got mercy for every individual that is in this house. It don't matter who you are. It don't matter what you've done. It don't matter the mistakes. It don't matter your valley. There's mercy. 
He's just sprinkling it all out in this place right now. And if you'll just begin to cry out and say, God, I need some mercy, you will get it. Everybody gets mercy. There's been times where I didn't feel like I deserved mercy. And the first thing God did was said, mercy. Come trying to sneak in the prayer meeting with a towel over your head, discouraged. Say, God, don't strike me now. You'd get about three steps into the prayer room, mercy. And tears begin to flow down your face and suddenly that heaviness that was on your heart begins to be lifted and all of a sudden the presence of God begins to flood your soul and you didn't even do nothing to deserve it. He just says I love you that much. There's nothing you can do to get away from me and my mercy and my grace. Yeah. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. I'll tell you something. Romans 10 and 12 says there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is, is rich, is rich unto all that call upon him. I mean, anything that you need, God is rich enough to give it. And he said, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God never has and never will put stipulations on his mercy and grace at any time. You don't have to earn it. You ain't got to beg him for it. All you got to do is live. All you got to do is cry out. When you don't know what else to do, cry out. Just don't do it in the middle of the night and scare the family. Just, but cry out. Scare people to death. Has anybody ever been to the place that you was down to nothing and all you did was just holler? Oh, you ain't been deep enough if you just hadn't been sitting in your living room and just start hollering. <laughs> Yelling out, just, you can't say nothing but God. God! You ain't ever been down to nothing. So all you can do is just cry. I ain't got words to even articulate, God, what I'm about to have, what I'm going through. But Lord, I know I trust you. And I don't know what's going to happen in my future. But God, you said you prepared my way. You've ordained my steps. And all I'm going to do is trust you, God. I know I failed. I may have made mistakes. And I don't know what's going on. But God, I know that you're in control. Psalms 107 and 6. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. That's key. Listen to this. Cry out in your trouble. Don't yell at others, but cry out to the Lord in trouble. And he delivers them from their distresses. Now, do you believe the word of God? Do you believe that this is the inspired writings of the word of God? So next time you're beating yourself up and you're down with my... Daddy used to call the mullet grubs. <laughs> That's bad. And you're all distressed and distraught, and you don't know what to do, and you don't have any answers, and you got your family looking at you. Like, what are we going to do? Why don't you begin to cry out to the Lord? Because he tells us that if we'll do it, he will deliver you from your distresses. 
We heard a testimony at Revival a while back about a man of God. He was, he was in rehab. In the middle of the rehab, he fell on the floor, began to cry. Was it Blake Ziegler? He began to cry out. It didn't matter if they thought you was crazy. When you need an answer from God and you need deliverance, you start opening up your mouth and you begin to cry out to the Lord, God, I need help. I don't know what else to do, God. In my dilemma, I need deliverance right now. It don't matter where you're, you in your workplace, go to your car and begin to cry out to him. I don't care. You can do it in your office. Scare everybody. It's, it's okay. Because ain't nobody in that office can help you but Jesus. All right. Job cried out in his days, concluded with double the blessing and double the life because he was willing to look beyond himself and know that there was a God that loved him and cared. Even in the middle of losing everything he had, had boils on his body. The Bible says he was scraping boils off with shards of clay. Get you some. And he still had the courage and the wherewithal and the mindset to say, though he slay me, I will trust in him. But there's people that are in this house, I want to ask you, that God longs to hear your voice. How long will you have him wait? How many years are going to pass before you begin to call on the name of the Lord? Wrote this down before I got up here just a little while ago. How many years? Sometimes we just, I believe God is waiting on you to call out to him, and yet you, you keep your mouth closed. But I want to tell you something, God is patient. And the day that you begin to open your mouth, he's going to be there to answer. But I want to tell you right now, get grateful, get thankful, get a celebration in your heart. And I want you to begin to cry out to him. I would ask you right now, don't let another moment pass you by. Take the time. Breathe in the presence of God that's in this place right now. And begin to call out upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible says that he will deliver you. He will strengthen you. And he will give you grace and mercy. I truly believe everything in the word of God that's this promised us is given to us by us because you've got to move I believe there's blessings I believe there's grace I believe there's mercy I, I believe there's anointings and callings and purposes all in the atmosphere a lot happened before service I'm telling you there was a lot happening here during worship service in the spirit I believe everything that you ever needed is right above us you've been wondering about your purpose You've been worried about where God is wanting to do in your life and if you, should, if you should start a business or not or preach or not or teach Bible studies, have prayer meetings, whatever it is in your life, you, the strength that you need, I believe it's all just like right, right about here. And the minute you begin to cry out, in the beginning you begin to call out, then things begin to start dropping. Bloop, 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 bloop. And before you leave this place, suddenly you're going to be revigorated and strengthened and you're going to feel anointing in your life and purpose in your life. And suddenly you're going to wake up in the morning and say, something's different about my life. I think I'm going to do something for God today. I think I'm going to be a witness today. Little did you know the blessing was right there and it will not come unless you open up your mouth. Let me remind you today that none of us was ever made to fail. You are God's workmanship. When he created you, 
He told the prophet, I formed you. I formed you in your mother's womb. He knew what color hair you was going to have before your mama did. He knew what color eyes you was going to have. He knew everything about you. And so I want to tell you something. If he knew all of this, you are his prized possession. And he wants the very best for each and every one of you in this house today. He wants to pour out so much anointing and blessing and grace upon your life. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to be an overcomer. But sometimes we just got to get past ourselves and open up our mouth and let God do what he wants to do in this house. And sometimes we doubt ourselves. We doubt God doesn't want to use me. But the word of God said today is quite contrary to that. God's gift of mercy. He wants to raise us up today to sit in heavenly places together in one mind, in one accord together. He desires to sit you in heavenly places with him. When life tries to get you down, always remember that you have, to, you have a seat in a higher place. Every day you have a seat in a higher place. You may feel like you don't deserve it, but you always have a seat at the master's table. When naysayers and negative people are dragging you down, you know what that is? That's your cue to step up and sit where you belong in heavenly places. You ain't got to listen to them voices. If you listen to them voices, then you're just crippling yourselves. But, but if it ain't the voice of God speaking into your life, don't listen. David says, I will lift up my eyes where, to the hills where cometh my help. He said, my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. There are times in your life when you need to stop looking around and start looking up. It may be that in your life right now you're so worried about what everybody else thinks about you. You're worried about what family thinks about you, your friends think about you, whatever your co-workers think about you. They don't have no bearing on your eternity, honey. I want to tell you something. There ain't but one person in this world that you need to be worried about, and that is Jesus Christ. You need to look to the hills where it cometh your help. There's only one that can give you mercy. There's only one that can give you grace. There's only one that can save your soul, and his name is J-E-S-U-S. J-E-S-U-S. around here and take my time. I'm going to tell you something. All because I'm up here holding this mic don't mean I'm got all my stuff together either. Y'all got curious. Some weeks ago, I'm, I'm going to just tell you. No, I'm, I'm going to tell you. It's been a, I'm, I'm on a ride right now. I'm I've been sick. Listen, I'm going to just tell you this. I've been, I've been sick. I've been taking steroids. I said, you know what? I'm not going to take them steroids this morning. Because every time I take them, it's just like, Ooh. I said, I'm glad I didn't. Thank the Lord. <laughs> In August, well, early last year, or middle of last year, we felt to sell our house. And um, so we was like, hey, let's sell the house. Great idea. And we, we felt the Lord impressed on us. It was an incredible journey. We put a house on the market. 9,000 people looked at it in 24 hours. <laughs> we, had, we had somebody make an offer on it. It was, it was a incredible. I mean, it just, it just happened. It was so clean. It was perfect. Like, we, we sold the house, and it was just a, we still felt it, this was God's will. It was, it was time. He's, time to sell the house. Boom, house gone. Yeah, 
House gone. Okay, okay, all right. We didn't make preparations. We had a camper. <laughs> we was going to move it out to our property. Perfect. Sold our house on a Monday, signed papers on it. Monday, by the next weekend, here comes Ida. Trump, 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 right up in here. Mess everything up. Messed up my world. We was out there at my mom and daddy's house. We out there with a camper in a field. <laughs> in a mess. I came in here looking good. <laughs> Leading service. But <laughs> it wasn't good, buddy. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. Nah, nah. Whew. But at the end of the day, I had to keep reminding myself God. Or I was just running. My, I wasn't reminding God, I was reminding myself. This is, this is what you said do. <laughs> Wasn't it? <laughs> you, ever get, you ever had that happen? Oh, my Lord. God is something. Something. When I got into that situation, it was just like, okay, here we are. Here we are. All right. Come on. You know, you put your game face on. You're the man of the house. You're supposed to have all the courage, you know, the strength. Man, pray. Well, that's what we're going to do. So I'm trying to figure out what to do, you know. We're going to build a house or not build a house. Because we, ha we, ha we have house plans, beautiful house. My, my wife done a wonderful job on it. Beautiful house. So we get all our plans together, and we're going to build this house. And we begin to try to do some things, and it just wasn't seeming to work out for us. It was like, man, we don't know what to do. So let's go live on our land, how it is. We got land. So I was like, let's just live out there. And then you're just like, well, why don't we just buy a house? Why don't we just run away? Why don't we just run? Just let's just wake up and just be gone. Like, wow. Where brother Michael went? Ida. Ida uprooted his hope. But if you ain't ever been in a pickle. And so, I begin to get very down, and I begin to question, and I begin to hear negative voices in my life, and I begin to, I'm the preacher now, you know, I know we speak uplifting, but hey, I'm a, I'm a dude just like everybody else. And I'm trying to put on my strong face, and my strong face was running thin, real thin. And I said, you know what, God? I ain't doing nothing else. We out there living in a field, Hoss. And I said, God, I ain't doing nothing until I get a word. I said, Lord, you said if I cry out, you're going you're gonna to give me something. So begin to pray. I begin to cry out. And I begin to say, you know what, God? I begin to push the plate back. Say, you know what? I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to find out what God has. God, you said this is not what you want me to do. You, you, you told me to sell that house. I don't understand the plan. But God, you said you're going to make me prosper. And you're going to allow me to do what, I, what you want to do in my life. And it wasn't very long that things begin to shift and things begin to work. And I begin to see God's hand begin to write another storyline in the pages of my life. And suddenly things begin to start working out. And, and suddenly the, 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 the pressure off my home began to lift. And suddenly joy came back to my house. We begin to feel liberty. And me and my wife 
sitting in our camper just as happy as we can be now, just smiling and the presence of God is here. We're in the will of God finally again. But just maybe God put you through a dilemma just to see if you'll learn to lean in. Because too many times you get in a bind and you shut down. You stop praying, you stop reading your Bible, you get mad at God. Maybe God's trying to lift you up. Oh, y'all didn't want to hear that. Oh, Lord, y'all didn't want to hear it. Listen to this. Watch this. Henry Ford wrote this. When everything seems to be going against you, remember that an airplane takes off against the wind, not with it. And so maybe in the middle of my dark season and my depression and my despair, maybe God was just waiting on, waiting on me to open up my wings a little bit and say, you know what? If you just trust me just a little bit, I'm going to bring you a little bit higher. Maybe I got you a heavenly place where I want you to sit. Maybe I'm going to bring you out to another level in faith that you would never have before then. I want to tell you, God's trying to lift somebody up. I know it's been a struggle. I know it's been hard. But God says, I'm pulling you. I'm pulling you. You know what I love about God? He ain't about them handouts. He's all about them hand ups. Some of y'all ain't, ain't get catch that just yet. For a lot of us, we want God just to answer our, our request like he's a magic genie in a bottle. But maybe God wants to develop something in you. This ain't even in my nose. We're we, we going wild. But maybe there's a place in him that he is trying to bring you. And the only avenue for you to get there is to go through your dilemma. Maybe there's some greater strength and faith and anointing in your life that sometimes you got to go through a dilemma for God to be able to show it to you because what you're going to realize in your dilemma is that you're stronger than you thought you was. you got more faith than you thought you was. you got a greater prayer life than you thought you had. you got a little bit more worship in your step than you think you had. But sometimes you got to go through a dilemma to get your deliverance. If there's anybody in this house going through anything, I, I guarantee you right now God's waiting on a response from somebody. You've been wondering, God, how am I going to get out of this? I don't know what else to do. Well, maybe God's wanting you to get up a little bit and say, you know what, God? I don't know what to do, but I'm going to worship. I don't know what else to do. But I'm going to lift up my voice. I don't know what else to do. I'm going to lift up my hands. But though you slay me, I'm going to trust you. I believe some, sometimes uh, you waiting on a pastor to say something or come lay hands on you. But I want to tell you, you have the ability within yourself to get everything you need. Uh, he's already ordered your steps. Uh, and all you got to do is say, God, I need it right now. I need deliverance in the middle of my dilemma. I need deliverance right now. I need a breakthrough. Woo, I need a breakthrough. We're going down.